Welcome to the Critics Roundtable. This is a monthly podcast where various members of the RA family get to discuss their favorite artists, records, and industry trends from the past few months. My name is Naishka. Some of you listening may recognize me from previous podcasts, but for those who don't, I am a senior staff writer who does a little bit of everything on the site. With me today are two new faces to the RA family and to the round table. Straight out of Los Angeles is Lottie Moore. Welcome Lottie to the round table. Thank you, Naishka. Since this is the first time our listeners um, are hearing you, can you tell us a little about your job and yeah, about your day to day? Sure. Um, so I joined a couple of months ago. I'm the senior partnerships lead for the Americas. I uh, work with promoters, venues, um, artists um, to make sure that they are getting the most out of resident advisors ticketing platform. So when you go to buy a ticket for a club night, um, and you see, you know, various parties. Um, we work to make sure that promoters and artists are using the platform. And yeah, I get to uh, meet a lot, meet with a lot of people that are doing some really incredible things for our nightlife ecosystem in in the US. Um, I won't rabbit on too long. Previously, I came from uh, a non the nonprofit background. Um, I was working for um, uh, internet radio uh, Dublab. Um, doing all their events and um, special projects. So I've kind of come from the event side of things. Um, and I also have a, a radio show on Dublab as well and on Worldwide FM too. Fantastic. We'll, be, we'll have to drop the names of the shows at the end of our chat so people can tune in. Um, also with us today on the round table is the lovely Lucy Ross. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Hello. Hi, Nashka. Hi, Lottie. Um, thank you for having me. You are also new to the company. I believe you joined this year. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I officially joined in January. Um, and my official role is senior designer. So I kind of oversee all the current visuals that RA put out there and also the development of our visual branding and where we're going to go in the future. I have some lovely designers I work with on a daily, hourly, minutely basis. Um, and I think, yeah, we're just kind of excited to see where this next editorial chapter for RA goes. Um, and I'm very honored to be part of the team. Well, I'm really glad that we have different kinds of people from the company joining us on the round table. It's a nice break to talk with people who aren't writers all the time. <laughs> so I've asked each of you to prepare three selections today. Let's start with your favorite album from the past three months. Just to kick it off, I picked uh, an artist in New York. His name is Nigel Three Times. He's from Queens. He's also known as Nast Nasty Nigel. So a little Nas reference there. Um, Nigel is, comes from a hip-hop background. He's a member of a local collective here called the World's Fair. And he dropped an album called The Ruby Rosa Paradox. And the label is called Dead You Eat, which um, also houses a lot of his other productions. 
what I like about this record is that it's it's all breaks, it's all 160 BPM, and it's a very he just Nigel describes it as a very classic New York record. Um, the whole thing is is you know high definition drum science. There's a lot of break beats. There's it's a lot of jungle, different styles of drum and bass, but what really drew me to, to it is that there's this atmospheric ambience throughout, which kind of makes the record sound very elegant. Um, Nigel always adds this cinematic finish, I feel, to his stuff, um, no matter if it's um, more on the rap side or if it's more jungle. It's there's this like luxurious gloss that makes everything a bit more poignant adds a bit of intimacy, yeah, adds a bit of, a, of, of an introspective mood. And it's a nice balance to, you know, the heavy breakbeat choppage you're hearing throughout the track. He's, he also has really nice samples on this album. There's a lot of, um, yeah, like spiritual vocal snippets, which to me really accentuates like the liquid rolling drum and bass style. Something about hearing verses in that deep flow state, it just, it hits right. Lottie, let's hear from you. That, um sounds amazing and I've been actually been following Nigel for um Nasty Nigel for a really long time because of he has a show on Lot Radio right and uh he's kind of been he's been around for a while so I'm I haven't heard it yet so I'm excited after you gave that really beautiful description of it especially if it's something that's super fast um yeah I'm 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 excited to to listen to that um I'm kind of going in a different cinematic kind of way with slightly more down tempo um vibes um from this artist who she's originally from memphis but she's la based um i i, I think i've kind of first heard her music when i went to um leaving records um does a really really great um outdoor series called listen to music um outside under a tree am i getting that right i think i am um and uh, i think it must have been about this time last year bcr played um at the park in la tierra de culebra which is a small park in highland park and i saw last week that um leaving records were doing another one in a new space in elysian park and um she was also playing along with mind design um jeremiah chu um chuck uh soho a few other people and it's a beautiful outdoor space like lots of like families and kids running around so it was really good to see her and i've been listening to her new release new album that came out at the end of april called the chronicles of a caterpillar the egg um and it's a beautiful um I think it's got like nine tracks on it um that is kind of like she uses a lot of her um influences from like funk and soul and gospel um lots of classical music and she's kind of coined this genre genre uh cinematic soul 
Um, so again, very each track kind of takes you on a on a different journey and um, transports you kind of through her sort of magical uh, kind of universe. She she plays the violin. Um, she is a you know incredible singer composer. Um, the there's some pretty amazing track uh, productions, uh, collaborations on this album from um, the likes of Sedan, Sedan Archives, Pink Sifu, um, SS Shadows, I think is on there as well. So it's really, it's a really great album to kind of listen to and kick back to and kind of absorb yourself uh, into kind of a moment of tranquility, which is what I've been doing with my five-year-old stepdaughter around with me. <laughs> at the minute so yeah slightly less of the the fast-paced stuff but um definitely worth worth a listen and um you know i love leaving records as well they've really put out some great artists over the over the years and yeah have a great outdoor series that sounds extremely therapeutic i would love to i've always wanted to check out the summer listening shows in the park i hear so much so many good things about that You know, I hadn't heard that VCR record and I looked it up when you told me about it. And I saw that in addition to being like a multi-instrumentalist, oh, you also wrote her first yes. book in 2019. Yes, she did. Let's see. Yeah, she, she wrote um, the book called The Creative Black Woman's Playbook. And so it's kind of a celebration of um, black women's femininity, femininity. And there's also a network as well. Yeah, she's been hard at work. Quite the talented artist. Lucy, what have you been listening to? Okay, so my selection was a Red Dragon by Uncle Waffles, who is an amateur piano artist. And it's a genre that I am only newly hearing and learning more about as I discover more about these artists. It's a genre born out of South Africa. And um, I just find it very joyful. It was actually the first article I designed ahead of for when I uh, joined RA and then just kind of got in a YouTube hole <laughs> with all these incredible live sets um, from the likes of DMB Gogo, TXC, uh, Major Leagues, just very joyful, bouncy, like fills you from the inside out music and you can't. I mean, I can't sit still to it. Um, and I think that's just a sign of anything that makes you like focus on what you're listening to is a success in my eyes. And I just put it on as background music, you know, to keep me in the vibe while working. And then I just end up watching the whole set. So I am a new but hardcore fan of Uncle Waffles. And I think she's so talented. Um, I'm very excited to see what she does because she seems to have appeared out of nowhere but I don't know if you've heard the phrase it takes 10 years to blow up overnight so I'm sure 
she's been doing what she's been doing behind the scenes for a long time and it's nice to be able to share that success with her and just champion her um, I can highly recommend any of her live sets you can just see the crowd do not take their eyes off her and she also it's nice to see for me like DJs enjoying it with the crowd there can be a lot of um, maybe just seriousness and everyone's different so you know there's no shade in that but it is really nice to see the dj having a good time with the crowd and so i would particularly recommend um tanzania which is the first track off of the ep red dragon um and i think it was her debut like single release um and it's just caught fire so very excited to see what she brings to the table yeah it has been honestly spectacular seeing the rise of ama piano all over the Western world. I mean, obviously, this is not a new sound for South Africa or the continent, but I feel like it's really just blown up here in the, in the US and probably in the UK too, I imagine, just over the past three years. Um, I was reading an interview that Uncle Waffles did, and you know, she talks about yeah, this like global surge in popularity, which is obviously you know great for her and other artists in that field, but she also raised a really interesting point where she talks about how a lot of non-South African musicians now want to make Ama Piano. And she, you know, she was expressing some worry about like how people who haven't lived the genre, like how can they go about it? And she was like, well, you know, I don't want to be like gatekeeping in this genre, but I do think it's important for like, yeah, non-South Africans to work with South African artists to maintain the essence of the music um, and, and kind of, you know, ensure that as Ama Piano continues its global reach, it stays legit, which was, yeah, really interesting. I wonder if uh, Beyonce, that'll be Beyonce's next next direction. I mean, let's hope we don't hear <laughs> anyone saying Beyonce is bringing Ama Piano back because <laughs> that's what we've been hearing on the house music context. Yeah. about an artist label or a collective that both of you are currently really excited about this doesn't have to be a new name this can be someone or something you've been familiar with for a while but it's just yeah it's been on your mind for whatever reason Lottie do you want to kick us off yeah sure um so this kind of feeds into our next sort of discussion as well um, I'm going to talk about collective, LA-based collective um, called, well, there's three names. It's run by a DJ called Mappa, Mappa Motto, and she has been um, working kind of tirelessly over the last couple of years to uh, create um, some really interesting party series. Um, there's actually three that she does. Um, uh, one is called Serenity Link. Um, one is called Soul Swap and the other one is called Acapulco Gold and both kind of have their own sort of um, 
I guess like distinct sound to them. Um, Serenity Link really sort of like amplifies sort of femme producers and DJs. Um, definitely on the sort of harder, faster um, BPM. Um, she started doing these parties in an alleyway in um, in uh, downtown LA. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure you guys all know, but you know, throwing parties in LA is always slightly more difficult than London or New York because we don't have that same infrastructure that we have in uh, in other cities, um, and it's complicated and complex. But yeah, she's been throwing these parties, and uh, they're really, really starting to to kick off. And you know, in terms of like the popularity of the people that she's booking and um I'm kind of obsessed with her to be honest I'm really excited it's really nice to see like a new young promoter thriving and coming up um amongst like some of the more you know established uh party series here in LA she recently booked uh Sweet and Chris Jones uh for her last soul swap um she's got another event coming up this weekend uh Serenity Link She's constantly getting RA picks, you know, without even <laughs> just she's just really like really, really getting it with the with the bookings. And uh she's she's just a great person and I'm really excited to see her thrive over the next over the next years, especially after coming out of the pan- pandemic, because you know, she started this sort of right before um everything went crazy. <laughs> Wow, talk about hard work. I mean, that's, yeah, those are a lot is. of different activities to be balancing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah I think she's, uh, she's doing great things for the LA nightlife scene. Fantastic. Definitely a name we should all keep in mind when we visit. Lucy, what uh, any particular artists, labels, or collectives you've been excited about? Yes, many. Um, but this selection is actually the first artist who came to mind when you first asked if I'd be interested in the podcast. And I'm so excited to talk about uh, Kia Blue, spelled K-E-Y-A-H forward slash B-L-U. Um, she's a South London independent artist and producer. I've been following her for a few years now, um, but she only releases stuff really sporadically and everything she does is so different from the last one like you can really see the evolution of her artistry and also like as a designer I'm always going to be interested in the visuals and she has a very like distinct engaging visual style Um, I'm looking at her album cover right now and it's just like gorgeous fragmented black and white um it looks like it's a portrait of herself but it's so distorted that you can't tell and I think she does a really good job of kind of balancing something that could be like popular in the mainstream and then she overlays these almost spoken word kind of jarring lyrics that make you listen to what she's saying um and I just think she's incredibly talented I've tried to see her a number of times but just it hasn't quite come through. So I'm excited to see her in person because I feel like she's one of those artists who's better live and is a performer. Um, and I just can't sing her praises enough. Um, yeah, Kia Blue from South London. And 
yeah if you I mean all her tracks are good but South is the one that I probably listen to and repeat the most considering you just moved to London I hope you get to see see her in person <laughs> soon I'll try my best like I've got the ticket alert on I'm waiting <laughs> it'll happen I'm not on it today you promise you save me your side of the bed She's tired, I'm dead, fled nine hearts, got battle scars to get to you. I won't wonder what she's yet to do. I said I'll be late next to all the dime, not full in line, but tables turn and fables taught to me more than the ends do these days. When you come around my day, so the wrong way down. Don't do wrong way. Text book or flatline, just go up some next look shit about us. I'm not on it today. You promise you'd save me your side of the bed. You lied and I bled, we're tired. There's this one label that I've been following for a while. It's this Hawaiian label called Aloha Got Soul. It's based out of Honolulu. And they pretty much focus on new music as well as reissues from Hawaii. Um, the label also runs this beautiful record store in Honolulu. Um, and I had the pleasure of meeting the founder, Roger Bong, here in New York recently. And it was I was chatting to him about yeah, how, you know, classic jazz funk or, you know, psychedelic rock, how it can be sampled in a more yeah, dance music or club friendly way. And what I like about their recent releases is that I see a lot of potential ways I could hear this, you know, in a house set maybe, or like incorporated with some disco. It's got the same kind of warmth. Um, which is why I wanted to talk about it today. Um, its most recent release is a reissue of this band called Kalapana. And apparently Kalapana, I didn't know anything about them. But they, their very first album, I believe in the 70s, is considered like the pinnacle of modern music in Hawaii. And so this is a reissue of their second album. And it's just as good as the, as the first. It's, you know, it's a very peaceful sound. It kind of reminds me of that happy, sad feeling that, that you hear in a lot of music by the Beach Boys. It's got that fuzziness, um, a lot of low-end frequencies, but also just very soothing. Another cool release that kind of goes, cuts across various genres is, um, was an artist who did kind of like a, a, a Sade-inspired take on Hawaiian music. So you have a lot of these like, celestial R&B chords on top of like Hawaiian, you know, on top of the Hawaiian language, which is already quite dreamy and has like a nice special flow of its own. So yeah, there's a lot of great jazz funk, a lot of really warming, folky pop, I guess I want to say. Um, yeah, very good palette cleanser for anyone needing something warm. Um, yeah, that, I love I that. It's uh, I don't Be know. transported. Definitely transported to Hawaii. I'm trying to go to Hawaii. <laughs> Actually, too. Are I we mean, all? The music is all? nice, but I need the real deal. <laughs> One day I'll make it there, <laughs> and I'm the closest. <laughs>
Well, here we are at our very last section already. For our last question, I have asked you guys to think about any piece of news or an industry trend that's kind of made you think a bit more deeper about your job. It doesn't have to be anything directly impacting your job on a day-to-day -day basis, but yeah, just developments in your field that, you know, have made you go, hmm. Uh, Lottie, do you want to start? Sure. One of the things that I've been thinking about is the is sort of how people, how promoters communicate with their with their fans and their their um, you know followers. Um, and one of the things that have been kind of discussed a lot in kind of the last few weeks um, within the team and the product team is. Um, whether there's a way to kind of have a connection between uh, a direct connection, so fans would be able to connect with their with their with their promoters on a, a more kind of indirect way. So whether that's using um, platforms like Discord or Telegram, um, something that doesn't involve uh, social media, something that's more encrypted um and safer especially as you know in the last couple of weeks with the news of you know roe versus wade and things that's you know especially in the us things are starting to feel a little bit uh complicated again um and i i just i kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were as well and and um kind of throw it out there because you know i i've i we a lot of promoters in in LA especially will use a text message to to send out the addresses or to send out any information that they need to do rather than using rather than putting it on Instagram or I mean Facebook's kind of dead um so yeah I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on that really because it's something that I I've I'm joined up to discord for example like I have a few discord uh servers that I'm part of but um I haven't like fully got into like telegram yet and i'm just kind of intrigued and uh want to know more as well especially is it something that i think we should implement um within our race platform yeah no that's very cool i personally i personally have not used yeah telegram or discord to chat with promoters i do like the idea of getting updates you know about the event that i'm going to whether it's changing location whether um you know anything you have to be prepared for as as a raver but i do think that people like the option of like a personalized route of communication right everyone likes the live chat button when you're doing customer service mm. at various <laughs> institutions so yeah i could totally see this working i don't know if it can be like adopted by like you know various music companies across the board just because it seems seems like a lot of manpower you know to have someone available to talk to you on discord or like respond to all the messages because that's that's the because that's the pandora's box once you mm. open that route of communication how involved do you be <laughs> it can get yeah. to an extreme but i do like the direction where this is going yeah i know that um there's this there's this uh promoter from atlanta called def def 
um, and they've built this huge um, following through their Discord. Um, I think it's yeah via Discord um, over the last sort of year, and it's kind of impressive that they've kind of like yeah missed out this whole sort of other way of uh, communicating, whether it's through Instagram. Um, and it's interesting as it definitely feels like it's something that's happening on the sort of younger side, um, kind of like the um, 20 plus, 20 to 30 plus age range. And um, they're kind of really like adopt, like easily adopting, adopting that. So I know it's just kind of like food for thought. I know The Face did like a whole article about is this like the new direction for how we you know share uh parties and raves and things like that kind of going back to like you know old school ways of doing it when we used to go to the you know go to the turn up at the petrol station or like answer the phone <laughs> I don't know it's just interesting like I love all of that kind of slight nostalgia as well just to touch on Lottie it's not that it's um an area of expertise for me but I feel like the way the reason that it's doing so well or considered this new avenue is because it's almost like a chat room and it's a way of people sharing information that isn't public so I think with a lot of social media like your questions or your interests can be seen by others so I think maybe it's an intimacy thing and how that translates into rave culture or just electronic music in general depends completely on the situation um but it is nice to see things getting cozy <laughs> um and then from, <laughs> um but in terms of design in the design realm Something that is hard to ignore these days is the introduction of AI. And it's something that even RA has leaned into. Um, in our last editorial themed month, we had Tech Month, uh, where Elements were partnered with the BBC. And we actually used an online AI image generator called Pollinations to help us build the foundation of those images. And it creates some really interesting unforeseen outcomes. And I think that's why I see a lot of designers now using it as a tool, not relying it on it to do the job for you, but using it as a step. And then you as the designer can then come in and then choose which parts you think are relevant or interesting. Um, Cause I think we still have a while to go where AI is doing all the designs for us and we know that it has some trouble it has some kinks it needs to iron out especially with like facial recognition or biases or um stereotypes yeah it there's still room there but if you apply human eyes to the computer generated image, you can decipher what's interesting and where to apply it. And I'm seeing it now with freelance designers using this to create images that the human eyes are like, we're new to it. So it's exciting. Um, and I feel like we are gonna move more in a direction where it is blurred and we're moving into like a more abstract realm of visual communication in my point of view. And there's a lot of exciting things about that. Um, 
and there's still things that we don't know. So it's just one to watch, really. Yeah, because we've um, I think we've gone through the whole 3D glossy chrome hyper realistic, like we've seen every kind of object shape. We've seen that. So it's actually quite nice to be surprised again and to interpret. It leaves room for interpretation as well. You know, different people can see different colors and different textures and it will mean different things to different people. And in my opinion, that can open up um, um, entry points like, yeah, if it's not a strict binary contrasting image, you can kind of interpret your own way in a. Yeah, maybe surrealist. Surrealist is the right word, I think. Yeah. So it's nice to see that. This this is so interesting to me because this is not something I know a lot about, but thinking about the visual identity, yeah, of whether it's a brand, whether it's a company like ours, or yeah, there's so many ways to connect with audiences. And as someone whose main, I guess, medium of communication is words, I never really think about the other side. So thank you for that. That was really insightful. Welcome. Um, I guess I've been thinking a lot about journalism, which is not surprising because that's what, <laughs> that's what I think about most, most days at work. But um, yeah, there was, there's, um, there's, an, there's a research organization in the US called the Pew Research Center. And they kind of do like regular barometers on how the public is feeling about a range of topics like politics, religion, all kinds of things. And so they had a recent survey about, I guess, the state of journalism in the US. And it was interesting because a lot of the insights there are very much applicable to music journalism. The survey was very broad. They didn't focus on a specific field, but um, it basically talked about how, um, you know, there's radically different views between the public's perception of, of news and what journalists think of news. Um, which is, it made me laugh because, you know, I think yeah, it was like a clear majority of journalists, um, like 65% thought they were, you know, thought the current news industry is doing like a good or somewhat good job of reporting the news accurately. Um, however, you know, most US adults don't think of that, don't believe that. Like, I think it's, you know, the numbers were like 40, 43% of US adults think journalists were doing a terrible job. <laughs> and so I think I think about music journalism and I think about how so many people are always questioning, you know, how we decide what music gets covered, um, who gets mix of the day, who gets a review, who gets a news article. And, you know, I like to think that we're transparent about it, but I guess reading these kind of surveys and being reminded that, you know, the public is always going to be really cautious and always really skeptic, always be really skeptical, I guess, of you know, the decisions we make. It's a good reminder for us to be better and like, yeah, constantly think about how to be more transparent and I guess, yeah, explain our decisions because at the end of the day, music journalism is so sub subjective. And I think as long as we have a healthy amount of music media, hopefully that should ensure a wider range of artists are covered. That's about it for this month's edition. Thank you so much, guys, for being with us today. 
Thank you, Naishka. And thank you, Lucy. It was really nice to connect with you both and get to have a in-depth chat about all the things that we love. Mm. So, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Before we sign off, I'm going to ask Lottie for the names of your radio shows. Sorry, we do, our listeners can tune in. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Um, so I have, uh, yeah, my monthly show, uh, which is called Across the Pond, um, which is on Dub Lab Radio, very much focused on uh, what's the new sounds coming out of the dance floor, on the dance floor. Um, and then I have a show on Worldwide FM, fourth Friday of the month at 4 p.m. PSD, um, called The Full Friday Service, which is my label show, first music. Excellent. Well, Tune in. Sh- <laughs> we will. I'm sure both of you are going to be regulars on the Critics Roundtable, so we'll catch you on, catch you at the next time. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you.